to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter with me this week, filling in for Alan Medlock, who's still doing the baseball thing. We've got Evan Webb. Evan, you can find him on his podcast, Redbird we Redbird Rewind. I uh, should be able to say that, but apparently that's a little too much for me tonight. And you can find him on Twitter at Webb underscore Evan 12. Evan, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. I uh, had some technical difficulties, but other than that, uh, Cardinals are up eight nothing right now, so doing pretty good. Yep, you can't argue with a, a night when you've gone into Milwaukee and kind of jumped on them from the get go. Uh, and it makes you feel a little bit better about yesterday, right? I mean, for me, yeah. a little bit of concern. You, you play Pittsburgh, great, and you beat the Royals in a game, um, but then the first chance you get against a team of a decent caliber didn't really look that great. So to be able to come out tonight and kind of show that that wasn't, that wasn't what the norm was is a, is a good thing. Yeah. It's a really encouraging. And like, like you said, I mean, we've gone up against Pittsburgh and then Kansas city, you know, two teams that you'd imagine probably obviously aren't going to be in the playoffs this year. So it's uh, good to see that the offense came back alive tonight and, you know, last night, I mean, they had a couple opportunities with runners on. They just were unable. Yeah, it um, it was kind of a uh, tough situation. And we've lost Evan briefly. I think he'll be back. We're Like we said, we're having some technical difficulties tonight. Um, so we may be, may be bouncing back and forth. But... Uh, yeah, to his point, you know, they did have a few chances. Um, but, you know, and they're facing Brandon Woodruff, who was a really good pitcher. Uh, always has been a guy that the Cardinals have had a little bit of trouble with. Um, so it was probably not too surprising that they had a rough night like that. Evan, I, I, told, <laughs> I told our listeners, this may be a back and forth thing. Uh, we'll just work around yeah. it. But uh, I was basically saying, you know, that, that Woodruff is good. And, uh, you know, they, to, to struggle against him is not too surprising. Um, it was nice to see that they were able to take it out on Freddie Peralta, though. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Freddie Peralta was just, it seemed like he was struggling with his command a little bit tonight. And, um, and he's somebody that's actually like kind of struggled against the Cardinals in his career, mm-hmm. which is odd, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, good to see that, you know, against a pretty good pitcher that you were able to do that against him tonight for sure. It's been a, a you know, especially tonight and, and really so far this year, I think we've had a lot of, 
of uh, you know team effort on the offensive side of things. But let's talk a little bit. I mean, how surprising is it that Tommy Edmond is tied for the league league in home runs, um, heading his third tonight? That's just not exactly what I expected to see, especially not after his spring. No, and like we're typically used to calling him Tommy Two Bags, but <laughs> you know he gets uh, Tommy Four Bags, I guess now. You know it's uh, and it's good to see him hit from you know the left side of the plate, hitting home runs as well. Um, you typically in the past would see his power come from the right side. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to definitely see him hit some home runs from the left side. And, um, he's giving you definitely some pop there at the bottom of the lineup. Um, I'd like to kind of get your opinion. I mean, do you like him in that nine spot or would you like to see him maybe back into the leadoff spot and then maybe Carlson towards the end or what's kind of your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I felt like they should have moved Edmund out of the line at leadoff spot early, even last yeah. year. I mean, he, he, he gets on with hits, but you know, there wasn't a lot of that too. I mean, there, I, I hate to say that a lot of it. He hit, you know, what I think he hit, did he hit 300 last year or somewhere in that range? But, you know, he, he just didn't struggle. He didn't walk. He didn't, you know, didn't have a lot going on yeah, there. He's, and he's somebody that like, I think last year he finished with around a 270 average, but like mm-hmm. his, his OVP is pretty low, you know, right. and that's, that's something you want a little bit higher as a leadoff hitter, obviously. So yeah, I, I think that nine spot and especially just down in the towards the end of the lineup is a great spot for him. And, you know, it's, it makes this lineup just look so, you know, there's lots of protection throughout this lineup, obviously. And then when you got a guy that's hitting home runs in the ninth spot, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty darn good. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not a fan of the DH and I'm never going to be, but I do like the way the eight, nine, one, two rollover works on this rush. And I'm glad they're doing it with, yeah you know, Bader and Edmund down there instead of putting a Yachty in a ninth or something like that, just because it does give you a chance to flip it over. You know, if, if Edmund gets on, then right. you, you know, then you've got a guy in Carlson that can hit the ball out of the ballpark and you've got a whole bunch of big guys coming up and all of a sudden the pitcher doesn't really get a chance to breathe. And that's, that's what you want out of your offense. Yeah, exactly. And I was actually like one earlier in the season that, I was maybe kind of thinking about Yachty in that nine spot just for the fact that you'd have, like, if Yachty got on, like, you know, let off an inning with a double, well then, mm-hmm. or like, say, like, if Bader was hitting seventh and he let off the inning with a double, then you would have Yachty maybe as more of an RBI guy to drive him in versus, like, if Yachty leads off an inning with a double, well then, if Bader hits a single, then you're not going to get him right. in, I guess. But, mm-hmm. Um, I kind of personally like him in that eight, Yachty in the eight spot. I think that that kind of, you know, you get the carryover into the top of the lineup with a little bit of speed, but then you also, like, if Bader gets on, then Yachty can drive him in versus vice versa. I could definitely see that and definitely think that's reasonable. It, I would think that being in the seven spot gives Yachty a little bit more opportunity to have runners on, and, and it does feel like, Yachty's at his best when there's somebody in scoring position. But, you know, like you said, you flip it around, and if Bader doubles, and you know, especially with his speed, all Yachty has to do is to, you know, flare one into the outfield, and Bader may score. So um, yeah. we've kind of seen it both ways. And I think we've seen yeah, um, Ali Marmol be very intentional about his lineups. I mean, he's not putting the same, you know, nine out there all the time. He's kind of, you know, he's playing the, you know, lefty-righty thing. He's shifting, you know, Edmund batted, what, sixth, I think, against the lefty there, that, that one game against the Royals. Um, yep. You know, I think we're seeing a little bit more, 
I don't I don't want to say thought into it because I don't I think that denigrates what maybe Mike Schultz or, or even Mike Matheny had done, but they're definitely approaching it differently, and we're seeing some of that. Yeah, and I agree with you. I I actually kind of like the just going with either the hot hand or going with the matchups. And like you said, I mean, that's something that Mike Schilt and Mike Matheny were pretty loyal, you know, to their mm-hmm. regular starting nine to where they didn't, you know, change up their lineup a lot. And there were times that it was like, you know, especially like those years with like Dexter Fowler, it was like, come on, like, <laughs> you know, we're going to go with Dexter here again, you know, and it's like, and that's no disrespect really to Dexter. It's just the way it was, you know, right, it's like, right. And it's more of like it was more of like a loyalty thing, I think, with Mike Schilt versus like I think Ollie Marbold. It's just like I'm going to play whoever I think is going to win us the game for this game, you know, for mm-hmm. this night. And he's more of a game to game, you know, going off of it more game to game basis versus just my loyalty to a certain individual player or just the whole team, I guess, you know. Yeah, because you got to figure there's no way in any year before this, I don't think. The Yadier Molina would have sat two games this week, especially with a rain out on Monday and then a rain out on Wednesday, you know, a day game yesterday. There's no way he's sitting out today um, for anybody else. And Kisner's out there. Like say, like I tweeted, you know, Kisner's got five RBIs this week and he's only had nine in his best season. Um, I think it really feels like this is going to be that year that we're finally, we've talked about for years but this is the year that we're going to see less of Yadier Molina and more of the backup. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I think, like, Yadier's a little more accepted to that role as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, like, if it, like you said, if it had been, like, two years ago, then, like, and then I don't think it was just something like a manager decision either. Like, I think it was just Yadier saying, like, no, I'm playing, you know. Right. But, like, now I think he's a little more accepted and he kind of knows his role and – and it could be one of those things too, where you might do like a battery thing, where Kisner, you know, is the battery mate for Michaelis or Hudson or something, and you know that gives Yachty his day or two off, you know, and mm-hmm. um, you could kind of match it up that way, or just I guess see who's hitting the best at the time. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely like and Kisner's. I mean, obviously been the hotter hitter <laughs> to yeah. to start the season already five you know RBIs and. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. I think that, um, you know, they, they've understood both, both Yachty and Kisner's roles now. And I think Yachty understands it as well. And it's, it seems pretty clear. And we said, we kind of tweeted some of us, you know, joking around about it before the season that, you know, Yachty might be more likely to be able to sit on the bench when he's got his good buddy Albert with right next to him. But I think there's something to that. I mean, we saw it tonight, right? Yeah. It was Albert's out there warming up pitches, pitchers instead of Yachty, and they're goofing around in the clubhouse. And, and you know, I mean, they're, they're playing dish of the game, but you can obviously tell they're having fun. And, uh, you know, okay. I think that helps Yachty probably. And I, I think Yachty also realizes it's getting to that time, especially if he's retiring. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, having Albert there to just kind of, go with this as well does definitely doesn't hurt yeah exactly and i think you know having having albert around there too and albert's another one that's kind of had to accept his role at his age as well i mean mm-hmm. he kind of like when before he went to the dodgers last year i mean he was wanting to play every day you know i mean that was kind of the 
the thing before he got traded. And then I think he knew what his role was at his age. And, you know, now that they're together again, him and Yachty, then I think they both, you know, understand. And it might be something that Albert's talked to Yachty about as well. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly, but yeah, I think that's, that's the other big thing about having Albert on this team is just him being there with his best buddy, you know, like, and it's something that, you know, they probably talk a lot and, um, yeah, so it's it's good to see for sure. Yeah, it, it, you wonder if that the Angels letting him go like that may have you know kind of forced Albert to kind of take a different look at his career and look at where he was and what he could do and if he wanted to still play baseball that this was what was going to happen. And to give him credit, if that's the case, he's definitely embraced it. Um, you know, the Cardinals have used him in about half the games now. Um, but they haven't put him out there every day. Like I think some people were afraid of, um, they haven't necessarily, you know, used him overly. I mean, they've used him a little bit differently than some of us thought, but you know, not to the extent that it could have been, um, you know, it just feels like he knows, Hey, I'm going to play part. I'm a part-time player and I'm a full-time, you know, you know, uh, clubhouse guy. I, I think that's part of what he's embraced. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and he's. I mean, it's not like he's some slouch at the plate either. I mean, no. he's he's gotten off to a heck of a start, and he hasn't struck out once either. And um, you know, even the even the times he's got out, I mean, it's looked like it's been pretty productive. So, um, yeah, it's it's been really good to see. And I don't think the Cardinals just did this out of nostalgia either. Why that's plays a lot of it into it, but I, I think that they did it knowing that he still has some value to this team and can still, you know, has a little bit left in the tank. So I, I love the, I love the move of Albert for sure. Yeah. And and I don't know if, I mean, I don't think they make this move if Albert hadn't worked as hard as he did in the off season. Cause he can tell the, you know, weight we've talked about it sometimes in the show, you know, how, how much he lost weight and things like that. You know, if he's still, and maybe they would have, even if he was still like the Dodger, looking Albert because he obviously did still hit pretty well but I think seeing the dedication that he put into you know trying to get somewhat back into shape um seems to be you know they said hey look he's gonna take this seriously then we'll take it seriously too and um so far so good you're right I mean he's had some some hard hit balls that have found gloves he's had a couple of you know that opening day he had a couple hard balls that were errors that he reached on on base on um He's got a home run, uh, which I think, you know, this would have been a complete waste if we didn't have at least one on Albert Pujols home run at Bush Stadium, uh, and and hopefully some more. Um, it, you know, early early results, but I think everybody can breathe a little easier that this isn't going to be like one of those situations where you're just going to have to drag him to the end of the end of the season. Yeah, it's a huge sigh of relief that like it looks like that he's in shape. It looks like he can still hit and. <laughs> Um, and it's not, like you said, just going to be, um, you know, just trying to get him to the finish line, you know. Um, uh, but, yeah, and like you said, with just him in shape, I mean, like last year when I saw him in a Dodger uniform, I mean, he yeah. looked pretty chunky, you know. Like mm-hmm. he, you could tell he was a little bit out of shape. But then, like, when you saw him in spring training, and it was like, okay, like he's definitely, like, really worked this offseason. And, and I still think that there's something to be said about, like, when Albert Pujols steps into the box, it's it's like no slouch, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's it still puts the fear a little bit into the pitchers. Like I don't, 
it's not like you can just lay one in there, you know, because it's a 42 year old hitter. I mean, it still is like a 42 year old hall of famer in there. I guess he's 42. It's still Albert Pujols, you know, like he still kind of puts that fear into the pitchers eyes, you know, for sure. Yeah. If, if not, if, if if it's not fear, it's definitely respect because (laughs) some of these pitchers, uh, you know, and I'm sure he's going to have it as he goes along, weren't in the major leagues. Uh, You know, we're, we're probably not even drafted. We're maybe, maybe not even born when Albert yeah. started his career. Uh, if he hits some of the young ones. So I yeah. mean, for me, for me, for example, I mean, I was three years old when Albert started his career. So it's, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's crazy how, uh, how, you know, old he is and how young a lot of these guys are. So this is why I miss Alan because Alan's my <laughs> age and you know, I don't, you know, you talk about being three when yeah. Albert started and I was, uh, two years into being married. So, um, you know, that's, that's fine. I'll forgive you some point in time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but overall the offense has looked pretty good. I mean, Nolan Arenado has been insane. Um, Paul Goldschmidt has not necessarily filled up the box score like he did in the spring, but still has not been just, just terrible. We've seen good plays and good nights out of, well, pretty much everybody. Um, all in all, who's who's caught your eye the most from the lineup? I I would have to just say go back to Tommy Edmund. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think just his power that he's had from the left side, but then also just just that production at the end of the lineup, you know, I mean it's right. it's really, really key. And I mean obviously Nolan's been um big, you know, for sure. And he looks like like his MVP self, you know, like last year he put up good numbers, but he still kind of at times maybe, maybe left you wanting a little bit more, right, I guess, right. which is hard to say when a guy's got 105 ribbies, you know, <laughs> and like 34 bombs. But like, yeah, this, this is like the real Nolan Arenado, you know? Um, so that's, that's been great to see. And, um, and then I just say the other one would just be Albert in general. I mean, yeah. just from what, from what he's done, but, um, other than that, I mean, I've seen, you know, better at bats from like Paul DeYoung. I mean, he hasn't really put up the numbers yet for too much, but mm-hmm. like, it looks like he's recognizing his pitches a little bit more, like better plate discipline at the plate. Um, he's kind of laying off that high fastball and that low and away slider and sinker, you know, so that's, that's good to see at least that he's got a little better pitch recognition, I guess. Yeah. It- he's not been quite an automatic out when there's been yeah. like two strikes and like he was like last year, but, um, you know, it's still kind of interesting because I hadn't really noticed it, but he still leads the league in strikeouts. I mean, leads the lead, leads the yeah. team, leads the team in strikeouts at seven. Um, yeah. And, you know, we saw Edmundo Sosa finally get his at first, um, time, in, uh, in the field tonight. Actually he's made his debut. He hadn't actually had to do anything yet. Um, it's got. I mean, do you think how how much lead is Paul DeYoung going to have? Um, are they going to really stick with him, kind of like they have the last couple of years, or do you think Sosa, because Sosa had such a good year last year, has a little bit better chance of you know? I'm not saying unseating him completely, but you know, maybe even getting to splitting the playing time. Yeah, I think the leash is definitely a little bit shorter for DeYoung than what it was last year you know for sure and especially in the first half of the season last year um but yeah i i think i could 
just see kind of a split, you know, and, and it might be one of those things where you, you want Dion in there against lefties more, you know, just for his power against left-handed pitching. It mm-hmm. might just be a better matchup for him. But definitely, like, Sosa's going to have to get a little bit more playing time than what he's got. Now, there again, it's only been five, you know, six games. But, right. um, and he probably would have started one one of those games against Kansas City, too. But, um, yeah, it's. I would say probably I'm more of, like, 50-50, I think. I, I think that's kind of what you got to do between Dion and Sosa. And then if whichever one's kind of the hottest I guess is who you lean to a little bit more but like if we were going into a playoff series right now I wouldn't know who in the heck to play you know just because it's who knows you know right right it's difficult to to tell I mean you know we've only got the one game tonight of Sosa and he did go two for four and um you kind of um like to to see that um but you know whether whether he can keep it up of course is still a a different um different kind of thing so i hope so uh, i know hope dolan uh, i hope uh paul young can kind of you know get back to that kind of that what we were seeing in spring where there's a little bit more optimism i'm i'm a little bit concerned after all the stuff we heard this spring about all the you know changes and how everything was going that you know he's off to another fairly slow start at least overall he did get the home run but you know again six games you know he only played in five uh, you know how do you how do you draw a whole lot of conclusions but i think you just start piling that on with well we've seen this last two years we're not seeing enough to change our minds yet and that's you know or it's too early to make any calls but you know it'd be nice to have some data that kind of started changing minds yeah, exactly. And like he had a good spring training, but you can kind of tell already you can almost throw a lot of spring training out the book just for the fact that like Goldschmidt hit 500 in spring. Well, he's kind of struggling to start the season. And then Tommy Edmund couldn't hardly get a hit during spring. And he's mm-hmm. like the team's, you know, leading hitter almost. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to take away much from spring, but like, yeah, it's, it's just, at, at this point just a little bit too early to tell but I think you kind of maybe have to make a a decision on either leaning more playing time for Sosa or Dion whether whoever kind of proves it you know probably around the May you know around the beginning of May maybe middle of May mark I mean I think that's kind of what you have to do when it comes to you know who's going to give us the best chance to win here right so but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they will have to make those, and it does feel like like Normal will make those decisions, um, maybe a little bit quicker than, you know, even if it is just a, a platoon split or something, than they have in the past. Um, so far, though, I mean, again, Cardinals scored nine on opening day. They've scored eight tonight against the Brewers. Um, haven't except for yesterday, and even then, Tommy Edmund got the home run and and all that haven't looked overmatched at any point and all those caveats we keep talking about it's all fans of size pittsburgh kansas city whatever but it does feel like this offense kind of has carried over what it looked like in in august and september of last year and is a team that can that can play with anybody at least offensively yeah like we obviously know that the biggest weakness is the 
pitching rotation, but I think there's going to be nights this year that even in times that your pitching doesn't give you much, your offense is going to help you and back you up and mm -hmm. maybe win you some games that you maybe shouldn't. Um, so, yeah, it's it's nice to finally have, like, a lineup that you're pretty confident in, like one through nine versus, like, the last couple seasons. It was kind of like you always felt like we were missing a piece or two, right. you know. So yeah. um, it's it's good to see that it's, like, finally a lineup that I'm pretty, like, confident in if we were into a playoff series with a, an LA Dodger and Atlanta Braves like not to say that we would be on paper better but I'm just saying like we could definitely hang with them for sure yeah yeah I think that in the past you've always had those two or three spots that you just knew nothing was going to happen right I mean it just it wasn't gonna it was if there was a hit or a you know especially with runners on if somebody was actually going to do something it was gonna be a real big surprise and now i mean maybe you're talking yachty at that point and even yachty's you know with runners on we know what he can do but you know other than that there's not anybody up there that i just kind of assume is not going to get a hit now if a pitcher's going you know like yesterday with woodruff you didn't really necessarily expect a whole lot but just in general um I don't think there's anybody that's just completely, um, you know, written off. I mean, because even DeYoung yeah. was like that last year and haven't quite, like we've talked about, hadn't quite got to that point yet with him either. So um, yeah. it, it does. It, it feels like this lineup is a, a really solid piece. Yeah, and like even last year at the beginning of the year when you didn't, a hundred percent no you had an idea that you were going to go with o'neill bader and carlson in the outfield but you still didn't a hundred percent know that i mean mm -hmm. going into last season so it was nice to see those guys kind of prove it that they are the three outfielders that you want um because i remember like going into last season and it was the whole like oh my gosh we traded randy rosarena and <laughs> right, right. you know we don't know what the heck we're going to get out of bader or o'neill or carlson you know so it was like um but it's like now nobody even talks about randy rosarena that much i mean it's just kind mm. of the past and with the outfielders we have now so it's yeah they've they've definitely come a long way and and like you said there's really not a hitter in this lineup that i say oh like he's coming up you know <laughs> that's end of the inning you know what i mean but um yeah for sure i i think it's one through nine the best the best lineup we've had and i mean what what would be your opinion on this i mean best lineup we've had since 2013 2011 i mean even those teams kind of had some weaknesses on them yeah times. i mean you know you had the 100 win team in 2015 but that was all on the pitching side of things yeah um yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe twenty maybe twenty thirteen. I'm trying to think about who was on that that team. And well, like even in, even on that team, I mean, you occasionally had like your P Cosmo thrown in there, right. which wasn't right, you know. Or or I mean, Descalzo was scrappy, but it wasn't like he was mm -hmm. this big threat, you know. I mean, yeah, you might have Jay to go back. The same thing, you you know? might have to go back to eleven. I mean, the gold standards, what, 2004, right? I mean, that's like the yeah. best the best possible. Um, but anytime you had the MV3 in the lineup, plus, you know, others, that was helpful. Um, 
But yeah, it went downhill. Fortunately, you know, that's part of the reason that the Cardinals haven't, you know, had that gap where they didn't make the playoffs was not because yeah. of their pitching staff. It was because they weren't necessarily hitting well enough. So, um, yeah, that's probably true. It's been a while for sure to have been until you could feel like, feel so confident about the whole thing. Um, which then leads to a bit of a question. This week we've seen in the minors, you know, Nolan Gorman's hit a home run, I think, at four straight games. Juan Yepes has had three or four home runs. This may be a factor of the of the ballpark they're playing in, but it's also, um, you know, raising eyebrows. If these two guys continue to hit, how do you get them into this lineup um, on a regular basis? Who goes, who doesn't play? I mean, is there a really good way to do that? Man, I... Your guess is as good as mine because it's, I, I think almost the best way is that I, I almost think you're, I think what helps you best for this team is going to get, you know, going to get somebody, but I don't necessarily want to trade one of either a Yepes or a Gorman, but like, I, I just don't see them where they're going to slot into this into this team at, especially if Albert's giving you production at DH or if mm-hmm. Dickerson gives you a little bit. I, I guess if Dickerson maybe falls off, then you maybe think about you know calling up a Yepes or Gorman. But yeah, I mean it's it's hard to see like where these guys are going to be slotted in there because I mean Edmund's hitting pretty good. I mean I guess maybe at the shortstop position you could move Edmund over to short and then try Gorman a second um but I guess the one thing you always do have going for you is you have the great defense and I don't know exactly what kind of defender Gorman is at second base but would you maybe be lacking there I guess if if he did you know would you kind of be like I I wouldn't personally worry about it that much with one position but I mean what's kind of your thoughts on that well from what all I can tell from that's just from hearing reports and things of that nature. Gorman's going to be fine at second base. He may not be Gold Glove Tommy Edmond at second base, but if he hits like he think he's going to hit, then the trade off is probably worth it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I just don't know. I mean, like you say, there's, you know, if you look at even if you look at it, that middle infield, you know, we're already trying to talk about, you know, people like Sosa and and uh, DeYoung and Edmund trying to figure out the time uh, to add another one in the mix. And, the, you know, Sosa doesn't have any options left. Um, you know, so you're talking about those guys at least either being on the roster or somehow having to trade him or somebody else off to, to really make room. Um, and then, you know, and then you're also talking, you know, we saw tonight, you know, Lars Newbar getting his first start at, at DH. You know, if you're if Dickerson doesn't cut the mustard, I mean, they probably go to Newt Bar first, right? And at least give him a shot yeah. at it. Um, so how to get, they're kind of in that spot. I mean, not that they can't make this team better. And if they made the team better, they could figure that out. But, you know, right now, as hot as those guys are, you know, it's not, they're not going to be in St. Louis anytime soon because there's just not a spot for them that, that really stands out to me. Yeah, and I mean, at least for me, when it comes to, like, say, next year, I mean, you're really only looking at, I, do you think both of them could be up at the same time? I mean, just, like, position-wise, because, 
like when you think about it, I mean, you're gonna you won't have Albert, you will probably won't have Dickerson. So I mean, that's two guys that'll be off. But so it, that inserts a spot for the DH. But like, you still, I mean, I guess you could see what you get out of Dion or Sosa this year, and then see if you want to make them your everyday shortstop. But other than that, I mean, it seems like there's gonna be one of those two that aren't gonna have a spot. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I, I just I don't know if it's better to maybe just get something out of like I don't want to trade one of them, but if uh, if that is kind of something to where you get around the trade deadline and you feel like we could get like a really good starter that could help us win, I mean now I I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it because I'm kind of getting to the point with like some of these guys that were like yes like I feel like their best years are now and they're kind of being wasted in Memphis. So it's mm. kind of like, we might as well get something out of them like right. trade wise, why we have the chance. But I mean, there again, though, it's, it's probably hard for Mo to pull the trigger on that when he's had some bad ones in the past. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you're just an injury away from needing those guys too. Right. I mean, that's part yeah. of the problem too. You trade them off and then somebody gets hurt and it's like, ugh, you know, what are we going to do here? Um, I think next year, especially, yeah, I mean, you could put Yepes at DH, and you could put Gorman at second and let Edmund play multiple positions. And I feel like what we're seeing at Ollie Marmol is he could he could do that pretty regularly. I mean, he yeah. can shift things around. It's not, is this every guy ever going to play or whatever. He could go out and basically give somebody a break every day. Um, so I think you could do it. Now, you know, how does that fit with everything else? I don't know. Um especially then you know with jordan walker knocking on the door in you know another couple years probably depending on how how this season goes um you know that it i guess it's a good problem to have but it's still a problem and they'll have to figure it out but yeah i can't see them you know and again it was it's a good week for those guys and you can't discount that, but you also got to realize that, you know, the way the minor leagues play now, you play a week in one stadium facing the same teams. Um, so I think they're going to want to see it be a little bit more consistent, you know, see them play that way for a month, month and a half, and then try to figure out what they're going to do from there. Yeah, for sure. And um, Yeah, just keep and, – and, you know, they're still really, really young. So, like mm-hmm. you said, it's hard to – really you know you can't really just say oh they had a really good week so let's immediately call them up you know um but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they what they do there i mean i think i guess the best the best approach for this year is to just let them go you know or just let them play play it out in triple a and then like you said you you never know when you'll have an injury or something come up and you know teams like the dodgers and stuff they don't seem to have any problem with all the all the depth that they have in their lineup, you know, kind of playing different guys every day, um, you know, mm-hmm. rotating a, a Gavin Lux with a Max Muncy or mm-hmm. with a, I mean, there's all kinds of guys that they have, you know, so it's, um, yeah, I, I would just say for this year, you let them play it out in Memphis. And then if you need them, I, I guess they'll be there. Yeah. I have wondered, and I don't know how it would work really the way I kind of thought of this in spring training and again with the way the roster constructs I don't know that it would work but I would be interested in seeing them do something like almost like a like an internship program 
Whereas like like they bring up like say they bring up Brendan Donovan and let him play for two three weeks, and then you know and and be on the team you know and play some. I'm not saying he's gonna play every day, but you know rotate him in, give him some time, but mainly give him that experience being in the big leagues, get him used to it, and then like send him down and bring up Yepes and let him play you know somewhat over the next two or three weeks, but be on the main big league roster, you know, deal with people like Pujols and, you know, get, you get that information, send him down, bring Gorman up. Now, again, that starts clocks that, you know, burns options. It does a lot of different things. And so there's some reasons not to do it, but I really like this idea of letting these young guys, you know, come up and start to contribute to the team when they're not necessarily expected to do everything right. They're just there they're just kind of these backup guys, and they don't have to be there the whole time. They can just kind of, you know, rotate back down to Memphis and get those at-bats that they need. Um, because a couple of weeks off, you know, of not playing every day probably isn't as... They're probably still more effective in the, what they learn and, and the opportunities in the major leagues uh, versus playing every day in Memphis. So, you know, that rotation seems like it would have some benefits both ways. Yeah, absolutely, and you might have to send that one to for the new CBA. I mean, get, get internship program for, for triple A's going to, yeah, I, I think it's, I think that sounds like a, like a great idea. I mean, you, it's a good opportunity, I think for a little bit of everybody, you know, you can, um, yeah, get, get those guys a little bit of major league experience and then just kind of see what they have. If they can kind of prove themselves, you know, um, but yeah, I, I I'm all about that idea for sure, and I think it'd be it'd be good for the game as a whole as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. Of course, I don't want anybody to open the CBA for another five years, so I think we'll have to. <laughs> no, I don't think any of us do. No, I'm not, not going to risk that at all. Um, pitching. Let's we we've talked a lot about the offense. Let's talk about the pitching. Um, we saw Michaelis struggle his first time out, but pitched much better tonight. Um, we saw Steven Matz struggle his first time out, although apparently a blister had something to do with it. He'll go tomorrow against the Brewers, and I guess maybe we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, there was concerns about this pitching staff going into the season, and so far, I mean, I think they're still there, right? Yeah, they still absolutely are. And, I mean, until I, I guess you can say at least Michael has showed something tonight, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, but – yeah, I think the biggest key is at least, I guess if there was one good takeaway I'd have from the rotation, it's that they really didn't walk a ton of guys. It yeah. was just giving up hits after hits. I mean, it was, I think the key is for especially guys like Matt's and Michaelis and Hudson, you know, all three of them. And you saw it with Michaelis tonight, you know, keeping the ball down and just, you know, locating. I think location's the whole key for those guys because, you could just see what what happened with like Hudson as he leaves a sinker up, you know, three times and three home runs, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, but yeah, it, obviously it's still a concern, and I, I just I, I don't know, you know, what what to really do about it other than you just kind of got to see what these guys are going to give you, you know. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Matt gives us tomorrow, um, you know, coming off that start and. There's a little more lefties in the Brewers lineup. I don't know if they'll go, you know, I don't know if they'll play as many lefties tomorrow, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe a little more lefty-on-lefty lefty matchup and see what see what Matt can do. I, I would imagine he'll come out and be a little bit better, but 
there again, it's, it's hard to tell, but you know, it's only one start for all these guys. Right. And then you saw Michaelis bounce back tonight. So that's, that's good to see. But then like Wainwright, I mean, two nights ago or last night, he has the, you know, he just wasn't locating very well. And you could tell that if he gets matched up with a bunch of lefties, he's going to have kind of a long night. So um, yeah, it's, still still very much a concern and i i don't think they've really <laughs> i don't think it's i don't feel any better about it than i did at the beginning of the season yeah yeah i think wainwright is obviously to that point of his career where everything has to go right for him i mean and he can make it go right a lot don't don't get me wrong i don't want to say that it sounds like he's doing this with with luck and everything but if he doesn't have the feel for a pitch or if he can't put it where he wants to put it, he doesn't have the fastball that comes back, you know, and you can, you know, blow it past somebody and not worry about it or doesn't have necessarily other options. I mean, there's just going to be nights that he gets hit just because it's just not the night there. He, you know, he can't get that grip or, or whatever the case may be. Um, in those nights, you know, hopefully are few and far between, but, um, you know, it's always the concern, especially away from Bush. I mean, he's obviously been very good in his career and especially the last few years in front of the home crowd and in a pitcher's ballpark but he put him in something like you know like uh the american family now right um you know a, a place that you know is more conducive to hitting um and you run that risk um it, it could have been worse yesterday i guess um and it's not the way you wanted to open this series, especially against the Brewers, and uh, a series that might mean quite a bit over the, the whole the length of things. But you know, I, you know, that's just part of the the risk you take with this rotation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what's kind of your thoughts on if the Cardinals should go? And I mean, do you think that they need to go and get like a Montas, or because outside of Montas, or I mean you look outside on non-contending teams, I mean, there really isn't that much out there that I, I like, 100% feel like could help us win. I, I don't know what your opinion is on that. Yeah, I think they've probably, that boat's probably sailed. I mean, it, yeah. I, I can't imagine that they're going to want, I don't think there's a desperate need yet for Montas. I mean, for a guy like that, I, there's a need, don't but I don't know that yeah. it's like, okay, we need to sell the farm to get a guy like that. And that's probably what it would take, right? Um, yeah. Especially with the demand that he's in. And this, you know, as you get into the season, you know, more and more people are going to be interested. And, you know, the A's will probably start to now start to think about holding on to him until the All-Star break anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think I think they're just going to have to get by. They can, you know, see what Libertor does at, at Memphis and, you know, maybe he's an option if you have to go somewhere, but they were always going to try these guys out anyway. I mean, there's, you know, Wayne Run's not going anywhere. Hudson is a guy they're still, you know, com, you know, very solved on and a guy that's coming back from injury. So they're going to give some time to, um, you know, they just signed Matt's, you know, Michaelis is under contract. Um, there's really not, you know, except for the, you know, the idea of, of using Jordan Hicks as your fifth starter, there's not um, an easy place to put somebody in, um, even yeah. if you went and got them. So I think they'll be looking at some point in time this summer, June, July, probably to get somebody. But then again, 
you know, if Drew Verhagen pitches well, and we he seemed to pitch pretty well last night again in relief of, of Wainwright, you know, maybe he's your sixth or seventh starter. Um, you've got a couple others, so you know they might do another you know John Lester J half type of thing. But it's hard to me to even though I think they probably should because they don't have that top tier pitcher in their you know unless Libertor becomes that guy they don't really have that in their minor leagues um so if they can go out and get a guy that they can have under control for two or three years like that that'd be great but I just don't know that they're going to do it yeah I I think you're right on the on the timing of it now I mean it it wouldn't make much sense Mm -hmm. I guess right now for Oakland to I mean they might as well keep Montas to the all-star break when a bunch of teams get desperate for him you know um but yeah i i agree with you i mean i i kind of like going into the off season i would have been honestly okay it wouldn't have been the sexiest move obviously but i would have been okay with bringing back a half or even like a wade leblanc or something Mm -hmm. like just to give us some innings you know um especially to kind of bridge the gap to flaherty and we don't really know what flaherty is going to give us this year i mean I would imagine that when you get Flaherty back right away, I mean, he's not going to be the Flaherty that you want right away, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at not getting the full Jack Flaherty, if healthy, until, you know, July. So I I, I would like to see them maybe get, like, a guy, a cheap guy like that, like a, like a Hap or a LeBlanc or whoever. Yeah you know, to just kind of bridge that gap. And, and then you could kind of go with, you know, Hicks for three innings and that guy for four or whatever. I do think that if they get somebody off the waiver wire, we're going to be a lot less uh, critical of them than we were last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't think anybody thought LeBlanc or Hap or even Lester would, would really pan out, and they all did. Um, so I think you have to kind of trust the, the front office when they're doing that. Yeah, I mean, what we saw, we heard today, Flaherty's just kind of start about to start a throwing program through off flat ground, I think. But you know, I can't, I can't see him back before May, probably early May. Um, and you're right, after he gets back, he's still going to probably kind of ease his way into things. And so, you can only hope for maybe by June that you're going to see him the full Jack Flaherty. Um, you know, maybe that's all that matters. Maybe they could hold their, you know, hold their own till then and they can just take off after that uh, that's possible um but that's also assuming everybody else is doing fine and they don't have any more injuries and all that kind of stuff so yeah. um that may be a lot to ask for given this rotation yeah that's like you said i mean it's assuming that the other guys aren't going to have something and we always know just from the history of not even just the cardinals but in baseball in general you never can have enough pitching right so mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of seems like that's how it goes when when you get one guy back another guy goes down so um, yeah it'll be I don't know what I don't know I think like you said earlier I think they just kind of have to ride with with what they got for now and then I guess you just kind of see where you're at around around May 1st and you know it's like you said with the the guys that you have in the rotation you have you just signed Matt so you're not going to do anything with him and then Hudson, you have plans for him in the future, and then Wainwright's obviously a legacy guy, and then you got Michaelis, who's under contract, so it's hard to really do anything with those four. You kind of just have what you have there. Um, But yeah, I I think for now, you just play it out until May, and then you check on Flaherty's status, and 
and if it's not what you want to hear then i guess that's when you know then you can probably use somebody or at least call somebody up yeah yeah i would i would think so and um I don't know, it'll be it'll be interesting saying that you know again they don't have to be the 2015 pitching staff with this offense so you know maybe they'll they'll be able to get by enough and so far maybe so what are your thoughts on jordan hicks being that fifth starter you know in theory at least i mean he hasn't had a chance to actually start yet uh it seems like maybe mother nature doesn't care for him to be the fifth starter because this rainouts keep pushing him and, and using him as a reliever instead but uh, what do you? What were you thinking on on that? I'm actually like okay with it. And I I thought it was an interesting move when I first saw it. I it wasn't who I first expected to be that fifth starter, but um, I do think that for his overall arm health, I think it's probably the best move just for the fact that you could kind of have him in a routine, and he's only going to pitch you know once every fifth day versus you know maybe coming in for an inning here an inning there and then um so i think like for him health wise i think it's a good move just for the pitching program that he needs to be on and um and kind of keeps him on a schedule i guess um so yeah i'm okay with it i mean it's not (laughs) it doesn't just blow me away and he's really only going to give you you know three or four innings probably a start if that so um yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's at least it's intriguing. You know, it, it still intrigued me when it happened. It wasn't like I was totally against it. But, um, yeah, what, what's kind of your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't have any other options. I think it's, it's unique. It's, you're right, intriguing. It's, you know, I'm glad that they're – well, I don't know if I'm glad. I think it's interesting that they're trying to stretch him out in the major leagues in this way because I've – thought that that would be a good way to do that especially with guys coming back from injury even you know like we're talking about Flaherty you know maybe instead of letting him pitch four in, four rehab starts you just do him this way where he pitches an inning or two at the big leagues and let somebody else take over now I don't you'd have to wait till Hicks is developed because you couldn't do two pitchers like that but um I I think Hicks I'm not sure Hicks has been well served in his career by skipping them you know working is coming up as a reliever and you know what would his career have looked like if they had you know kept him as a starter and kept him moving up would he have been as hurt as he has been you know but on the flip side he might not be in the major leagues yet either so i mean i think he'd take what he's got but um um i'm just you know hopefully he stays healthy hopefully he can bring everything he's got i know kyle uh reese was talking about you know how he's got a changeup that he's going to be using and you know, as a third pitch and um so that's going to help um well we'll see hopefully we'll get a chance to see him start this coming week it looks like he'll probably start one of the games against miami um but you know so far that's not been a not been helpful for him so we'll see how that goes um before we wrap it up tonight um either um why don't we talk a little bit just about why you decided to get into podcasting? Um, what was what was your thoughts here, and and how have you uh, you know what you're six episodes in now, right? Yep, six episodes in, and uh, kind of just you know didn't didn't really know what everything was going to look like with the lockout and everything, and then 
when I saw that the season was right back on, I was like, I, I've been thinking about doing the podcasting thing for a while. And then once I saw that, okay, season's a go, then I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I kind of thought about doing some different stuff, whether that was, I'm a big college basketball guy too. Mm. So like, I've, I thought about that as well, but like, I think, you know, Cardinal baseball has always been my passion and I live here in St. Louis and I'm also a student at, or I'm in my last semester at Lindenwood as a, um, I was a broadcast major. So that's something that, um, I'm looking into. So yeah, it's, uh, just something I've, I've always wanted to try out and do. And, uh, I'm just kind of seeing what, seeing what it's like, I guess for now. Yep. Have you been enjoying it so far? I have. Yeah. I've got good support and, um, uh, I've been, you know, utilizing my equipment at, at Lindenwood, um, for, for a lot of the, for many of the episodes, um, a couple of them I did at home, but, um, yeah, that, it's been great. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fun talking Cardinal baseball. I'd like to get a little more guests, try and get some guests on sometime. Um, I've been going all solo so far, yeah. but, um, but yeah, it's just kind of testing it all out, seeing how it is. And then, um, obviously you can grow an audience over time, I guess. Yeah. Solo shows are hard. Uh, I know, yeah. you know, especially when you're doing, uh, to see your most recent one was about 45 minutes. That's a, that's a long time to talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah for sure. And like, sometimes my, I, I'm pretty sure my roommates are like, what is he doing? And you know, like <laughs> what, what is going on in there? Yeah. No, like it's, it's great. I, I like doing it and I can just kind of, you know, just go from my brain and I'll have some stuff written down. But for the most part, you know, I just kind of go with how I feel and go from that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you're a, you're a podcast, uh, you know, you've been doing it for a while now. So, um, I guess if you have any advice for me, go ahead and give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> been doing it for a while. Nobody says I've done it very well for a while though. So that's uh, that's a different story. Oh. But, um, uh, no, I mean, you know, I, it's very interesting to see how many people jump on that bandwagon of doing a podcast. And, you know, it's, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just commitment to continue to do it regularly. You know, I mean, it's very, and that's, uh, you know, it's one of the things I have found. Um, I did a solo podcast for, well, it's about it's a little over 10 years ago now. And that it would it was semi-regular, but not quite as regular because it was just me, you know, and if I didn't feel like doing a show, I didn't do a show. And, um, the ones that I have done that have been more uh, regular and probably more successful have been the fact that you've got somebody else on the other end. So, you know, you can't just kind of skip it as, as easily. Um, and gives you, gives you a little bit more motivation to go, to go get it done. So, um, that, that was how, if you can keep it up, um, as a solo show, that's, that's impressive. Uh, that's, that's all I'm saying. And I think you can, and I'm not saying you can, cause I think you can. Um, I just know how hard that is. So hopefully you can keep that going. Maybe, maybe that broadcasting, um, background will help a lot out there. You're, you're kind of used to having to talk about things, aren't you? Yeah. Especially, you know, doing, I had to do, I broadcast, you know, play by play as well mm-hmm. for like basketball, baseball, football, and, you know, there's times that your partner can't make it or whatnot, so you got to go solo. And so I've I've been used to it doing it, I guess. But it's definitely a, a tough job. You know, you kind of have to 
just talk about anything and everything, you know, um, especially like when you're broadcasting games, especially baseball. Like, yeah, I mean, you've, you've seen like, I mean, what Jack Buck used to do, you know, I mean, it, he used to do a lot of that solo and it's hard. I mean, but he was so good at it because he could connect with, you know, the, the fans and stuff. So I guess that's kind of what you got to do is you just, uh, try to find things to talk about and yep. keep yep. it going. So. Yeah, I always feel a little silly sitting there talking to myself. I will say, you know, when, yeah, you know, it's a need to have somebody on the other end of the line. So I've, you know, don't feel quite so crazy. So, um, but yeah, so well, good. Hopefully, they keep it going through this season and and into, you know, who knows how long? I mean, could be doing it for the next ten or fifteen years. Who never knows? Absolutely. Um, well, and I thank you for joining me tonight. Um, it was good to get to talk to you. I don't think we've ever interacted, uh, at least in this regard. So this was fun. Um, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, great being on here. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've been a big uh, fan of Meet Me and Mutual for for a while now. I've been a subscriber for a while. So uh, you, you guys do a good job. And uh, hopefully Alan comes back here soon. <laughs> yeah, Alan's – I mean, he's got the, the baseball stuff. I know he was talking to him a little bit today. They've uh, – they're two and I think you told me two and twelve, two and fourteen. But that two wins is double what they had last year. So uh, Alan feels go. like they're going in the right direction and uh, has some some positivity for the future. But you know, it's been some rain and been some makeup things and stuff like that. So it's kind of uh, kept him away. I know he wants to get back to the show, but just finding the time hasn't been there yet. So hopefully, another week or two we'll we'll get him back on here and we can and talk about. The high school team, if nothing else, um, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of stories to, to tell us about that. So, but uh, until next week, we is whoever will join me next week, we'll have to find that out. But until the end, for Evan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Oh, what a pool in the air, left field, and Pools has given St. Louis the lead. A dramatic, towering three-run home run. Stunned and